throughout Britain, men and women are foregoing the 9 to 5 jobs introduced during the Industrial Age as they embrace new technologies within the digital revolution. And these two chaps are here to help. Welcome to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the show about mindfulness and entrepreneurship in the digital economy, with your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. So they say, here in the UK, oh that rhymes. That's say? not what they say. Uh, they say that we're set for the hottest Easter in history. Every year is the hottest this, the hottest that, the hottest Yeah, but this whatever. year is the hottest Easter. So what? Look, eggs are going to melt, people are going to be going crazy, chocolate yeah. everywhere. Hide your kids, hide your wife, hide <laughs> your eggs, because they're going to melt. Cool. Thank you for that update, Wayne. I didn't knew, I didn't know you do news reports. And that's weather. Wayne's weather update for the week. Um... Welcome to Powerful Nonsense, the podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. In case you're new, my name is Wayne Ingram. My name was in the intro. <laughs> All right, well, they might have missed it. Damn. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Cool. So we have a great, really kind of interesting... This was one of my favourite interviews. I think this is one of my Because favorite. I didn't know where the hell it was going to go. I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was Manzo had been to prison, and that was a good good enough Whoa, story. Whoa, spoiler! <laughs> well, that's, well, that's going to be You're probably in the title anyway. Throw that in there, just, just casually. It'll probably be a keyword in the title, like it'll be there. So yeah, people but, already know about prison from that. Yeah, but what if they just didn't read the title? But what know? happened and how it happened is really interesting. So, basically, uh, Jem got an email from Manzel yep. saying, get me on your podcast. I want to be on your podcast. Well, again. first of all, he said, Jem, you've got to get me out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I can't do that, but I can do the second best thing, and that is, I'll bring you on the podcast once you're out. <laughs> But yeah, so and that was pretty much all we knew mm-hmm. was the fact that he he'd been to prison. And we had no idea where it was going before we uh, recorded the interview. Me and you were quite anxious I was the, I was as to where it could go. A bit. Like, had he lost his mind, or I don't know. We, we were actually contemplating like, will this be a podcast we can put out in the world after we've we've spoken? Yeah, yeah. But it was. But it was, and we're glad to say it's one of the best interviews we've done, if not the best interview. And it was very relationship-based, which very I relationship didn't see coming, and I think a lot of people are going to definitely connect with it. Yeah. It's, I remember, as we were conducting the interview, literally just being like, oh my God, all of this rings true to me so much. So, uh, before we babble on and tell you everything that happened, why not listen to it, to it for yourself? Yeah, so here it is, Manzel Denton. Yeah. On going to prison. Hey, Manzo, welcome back to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Thank you so much, guys. It's glad to be back. It's nice to have you on again. I think you're only one of, is it two yeah, people? It's the second person. Second person we've actually back. brought back for a second episode. So, yeah, tell us what you've been up to. I hear it's been pretty exciting for you. Yeah, so um, since the last time I've seen you guys, I uh, I ended up on in both both. Like great areas and bad areas. Uh, <laughs> um, so high points and low points. Uh, the high point being I sold my business in December um, and my nootropics business. And then the low point being I actually spent the six months leading up to December in prison. And uh, so, yeah, the end of the last, the latter half of last year was. Uh, was definitely a challenge, um, but it, it really prepared me for a lot of growth. And actually, you know, I've been out since December first, and and we're, you know we're in March now, but still, early February, um, I, I'm still you know like coming to huge revelations about myself and like. Um, you know, a short relationship with a girl like really taught me so much more about myself than even prison did. Uh, just because I'm kind of in this headspace of like trying to figure out my myself and awareness and stuff. So it's uh, it's definitely been an interesting journey the past year. Cool. Let's go all the way back then. <laughs> Tell us how you ended up behind bars, my friend. What did you do? Yeah, so when I was uh, 17 to 20 years old, I was I was working in just like a, a super small museum, um, 
And the museum essentially was uh, 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 an older gentleman's, his house. He had turned like a back room into a museum. And uh, my parents wanted me to pay for my tuition myself. And I took the, I took the easy route. And I decided to take some of the uh, historical documents that were, that were in the museum that I was working at and sell them. And so uh, I did this for you know, a, a few years and I made enough money to, to, to pay for tuition uh, to go to school. But unfortunately, it was like obviously the wrong way of doing things, completely immoral. And it, it hurt, it hurt this, this, uh, this gentleman, his family, my family. And in 2011, I got arrested and, uh, you know, was kept in the, in the country instead of going back to Europe. And so I, I had like three and a half years really where I was kind of in limbo and that's what's called bond over here. It's uh, you, you basically you pay so that you're not in jail anymore, but they haven't really figured out what to do with you yet. And last year in June was when the, the case finally was resolved and most people uh, that I spoke to did not think that I was going to go to prison, but the, the judge thought otherwise. And, uh, you know, the, the punishment definitely fit the crime. And, and so I have no one to blame but myself, but that's, that's how I ended up behind bars. Wow. So what, what ultimately was it, do you think that drove you to make that decision to do, to do that, to achieve the results that you you needed in such a way, as you said yourself, that, you know, was immoral. I mean, you obviously chose stealing something for your own education in a way. Right. So so here's the interesting thing is like this past uh, couple months, actually, the, the, the short relationship with the, the, the girl that I mentioned is actually what taught me most about uh, my my mentality and my actions. And so the reality was uh, all through high school, and, um, you know, going into college, I really did not have that great of self-esteem. In fact, I'd venture to say, like, I really just kind of hated myself for a lot of reasons. Um, and, and, and there was a, there was a girl that was living in Switzerland and she, and so for me, like the self-esteem issue was, was one thing when it came to sports, but like I was pretty damn good at sports. And so it, 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 it really showed up the most when it came to relationships with women. And I was definitely a late bloomer because of my own, my own issues. Like I just didn't even try, even though I probably could have. And so by the time high school came around, there was a girl and like, she just fit the bill for the, the, like the, the, the stereotypical, like you've made it kind of girl. Like she was just, (laughs) I mean, she was tall, blue eyes, blonde hair, just like we had similar interests, just gorgeous, super sweet. She was just a sweetheart. And, but she lived in Switzerland. And so in my kind of like, uh, this, this, this ego structure that said that like, I had to have this kind of girl, but like, I wasn't good enough, like convinced me that the only way that I was going to get to Switzerland and, uh, and be with this girl was to, to steal the documents. And so essentially like it all really stems from the fact that I did not have confidence in myself to really find another attractive girl. Um, that's the more specific thing, but in general, it's just, I just lacked the confidence to, uh, to really consider that I could, you know, do something on my own. And so it, my ego led me down an immoral path and we've, you know, essentially, a similar type of dynamic in in that I was I just didn't have that great self esteem is what actually led me to kind of screw up the relationship that I had uh, more recently and so it wasn't until more recently that I kind of had this revelation um, about essentially the last like eight years of my life and like how I've treated myself other people the decisions I've made and and where it all comes from like deep deep down wow like there is a lot to unpack there. There is <laughs> loads to, because obviously we, me and Jen were talking before uh, we hit record, and just like, what's he done? Like, what's happened? We like we've had no idea. So, so basically, it's 
it stemmed from a self-esteem issue first and foremost and then it's also come from a desire not necessarily financial desire um but actually one of uh, yeah social romantic desire which i find really really interesting that it that's that it was so high stakes for you to do that um that it meant so much to you to to do that to then make the decision to do what you did (laughs) (laughs) did you um where do you think your actual sort of initial sort of fears came from then why do you think you've got i mean if you were happy to talk about whether these are i mean we all have insecurities but what was your what was going through your head at the time like why you didn't feel like you was enough um, growing up, I was, it was in a predominantly white, uh, neighborhood, like upper class white neighborhood. So it's like 95% white and I'm only half white and the other half is Indian. And I always, I always was proud of the Indian side, but it was always obvious that I was not white. And even, you know, looking back on it, I don't, I don't necessarily like some of my best friends would would make jokes about my race and and it was always in good fun i could always laugh about it and i don't think they were meaning to be hurtful at all but i think it did kind of touch uh uh strike a nerve a little bit especially because my mom who's indian always kind of emphasized it as well um emphasized the I don't want to say the superiority of being white, but like in certain situations, she would make jokes about, you know, um, race that would make it, you know, even even in a joking way would make it seem like they were more superior. Um, But, you know, that was kind of a a secondary issue. The main issue was really I have uh, hyperhidrosis, which just means like my hands sweat like crazy. And, uh, and, a, and a lot of times, like when it comes to trying to get physical with a woman like that, just to me, it didn't seem like they would accept me at all. And, uh, and so that insecurity, um, it really, it, it, it's because I couldn't accept it myself and I couldn't accept that, like, you know, I could just have like a little rag with me and like wipe my hands on the rag and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, there were probably a few things that, that, you know, kids said when I was younger that were just made a super, super big impression on me and kind of left me reeling in that regard. Um, but those, those are the two, those are the two big ones that kept me from really trying much in high school. (laughs) So obviously a significant factor as well as all of that, which obviously, as someone with various insecurities myself, because, again, we all have insecurities, you know, those sorts of things really can play on your mind. But as well as that aspect, you've also got this other variable, which is this girl that really kind of was motivation behind most of those choices. So what was it particularly... Why, why do you think you put this girl on such a high pedestal? Because there's plenty of really, really hot girls out there. Right. So what was it particularly that made you hone in on this girl that lives in Switzerland? That's obviously so hard to kind of get to. What was it? Why did you kind of, for want of a better phrase, latch on to this particular girl? Even though you still, as you said, you also had those insecurities yourself. So you was kind of going for the, the top girl of the bunch, but at the same time feeling really insecure. yourself. So, yeah, tell us why you, why you went for that. Well, that that's it's a good question. Um, I think first of all, she knew about those problems. First of all, she loved the fact that I was like half Indian. She was always very interested in it, and she showed um, uh, well. She showed a lot of affection as well, um, which was which was some for someone who really didn't have this this kind of self esteem with women that was important she also knew about the sweaty hands and everything and so it was like it was one of those things where wow she's amazing kind of because i have low self-esteem like she's out of my league but she doesn't think that she's out of my league she actually knows all this stuff about me and she still likes me and um you know the reality is like 
I she didn't really speak that much English English and so she essentially taught me all the German that I knew. And so I became like fluent in German just speaking with her and uh and this was like before I even went over there and I became even more fluent when I when I got over there and was, you know, spending time with her. But that, you know, like that always kind of showed me how low my self-esteem was because like my mind was capable of learning an entire language just because I didn't really think that I was going to be able to find anyone that was going to accept me that was that attractive. And uh, and so that's why I latched on. Really, it was like a it was like a super, super scarcity um mentality. It was like a scarce mentality where I just did not think that it would happen again for whatever reason. I mean, this wasn't any of this wasn't conscious. <laughs> this was just, you know, this is just looking back on it. Um, I, I just didn't think anything was going to happen like that again. I didn't think I was going to be able to get anything better. Um, I had also still not had sex by that point. So there was like just a lot of these issues kind of coming up that made it so I got uh, you know, I, I really felt like I had to latch on really uh, quickly. And, you know, to a degree, like, like this is one of the things that I found out recently is like a lot of my like really good traits were coming out in this situation. Like, like, it, it, and obviously bad traits as well, but like the, the good trait being like, I just learned an entire different language just so that I could, you know, <laughs> spend time with her and like be with her, which is like, um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And then uh, the other thing too is like, when I put my mind to something, like it just, it happens. Like I make sure it happens. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's just like totally immoral and, and, and illegal and the wrong way about doing things, but it kind of, it, it is it does still say something about like that laser focus that helps me to achieve something how much do you think like a lot of your um your drive especially in terms of health making sure that your health the best like you say you go to an extreme you want to be the best uh, healthiest version of yourself you can be or also how that same mentality actually rides over to sort of entrepreneurship it's feeling like that outside of feeling like i want to kind of give a kind of up middle finger to you or a fuck you to everybody else to say look what I've done how much you think of your those insecurities you had actually played into your 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 like pursuit into health and entrepreneurship dude everything man and that's what I've realized in this last two months like the the girl that I was seeing was just like it, it I was so rigid in everything but it wasn't a rigidity that came from like a place of love it wasn't like I'm doing this because I want to be healthy and like if you and I want to, you know, share something outside of that, I'm I'm okay with that because, you know, it's like out of a place of love. It was like I'm doing this so well so that you'll love me. And so I actually did like a a, a guided meditation type thing with um with a, a coach and we walked through and we did this we did this kind of exercise where we develop uh, a board where we talk about like what my core like psychological wound is as a as a as a child and like what assumptions came from that but then like more importantly we talked about what my my resistance strategies are and those resistance strategies are basically like things that I use to uh, make sure that other people – it all kind of – well, it just all kind of goes together with this core wound. And my, my first resistance strategy is like um, I'm going to prove how valuable I am and that just comes with like achieving and doing my best and the behaviors are like being arrogant and boasting and, and, and really not caring about other people. And then it just ends up pushing people away. And then the the other the other resistance strategy that I have is like I'm unwanted, but I don't care because I'm better. And that just comes with like superiority, condescension, and it, and it's just like it's not authentic. And it and it and so what I found is like after doing this um, meditation is like wow that describes me to a T. Like everything that I did was unbalanced and so so rigorous because it was 
it was completely coming from a place of like insecurity. So yeah, so rather than being the sort of person that kind of embraces the insecurity and almost like, for example, I'm a short guy. Thankfully, I don't have little man syndrome, or at least I don't think I have little man syndrome. <laughs> um, you know, and whereas there are a lot of small guys that get really aggressive to kind of prove that they're a man or get very muscly or get very muscly whereas I just kind of go hey I'm a short guy and that's kind of it and it's kind of the same thing you know you've got the this inferiority complex of some sort um, and rather than kind of going yeah I'm not the greatest guy in the world instead you've gone no I am the greatest guy in the world love me kind of thing yeah and and honestly like I had this void there was there was um Man, I forgot where this this quote came from. Actually, it came from the Symposium for Men, which is like this this thing that I was watching earlier this week um, by Mike Rostowski. But he, he there was a guy that mentioned like, um, if you can't love yourself, no one's gonna love you. And and like that was the key. Was like I had this void because I didn't love myself. I didn't love myself for like. Um, a lot of reasons in terms of like how experienced I am with women and like how I, I interact with them and stuff. But the biggest thing was like I hid it all. Like I didn't tell anybody. And there were friends of mine that just like I came across as like the biggest player and like I, they were like well, they want to go partying with me because they think I'm just like slaying women and stuff. And but that's <laughs> and so like I put all my energy into keeping this like ego structure there. Like yeah yeah I'm like awesome with women and 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 I didn't I didn't have any energy to like do anything else when I was going downtown. Um, but I completely that was a tangent that I no that's totally it was relevant. <laughs> um, but like yeah it. it, it I am – it's very new to me to realize that this is like so, so deep and in, in like rooted in what I do. Um, but I know for a fact now um, that, that this just has such a – just a huge impact because I really just didn't – I had this void um, because I couldn't love myself and I was like looking for that elsewhere um, and so to a degree also, it's like super like empowering and freeing to realize like, wait a minute, I could just be happy and love myself right now. But don't you find, don't you find that like everybody, I think you can speak to anyone, even what you're saying, it's ringing true of me. I'm pretty sure it's ringing true of Wayne, it's pretty ringing true of anybody that's listening. But don't you think that everybody sort of builds up these sort of, okay, I need to tick these boxes. It's kind of like, isn't it just human nature to sort of have to validate yourself in a way? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think, but I, but I don't necessarily know that it's, it's necessary. Like my, like I, I kind of see, I kind of view my, like my experience is that my, my pain in dealing with like the, this aspect of my life is like been really great and I've made blown it way out of proportion. So I've made it even harder on myself. Um, but that comes with like an, the awesome, depth and awareness and understanding that I can actually just like not have that be an issue um, or be much, 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 much less of an issue. And I, I don't know if everybody has the opportunity to go that deep to, to find out that they really don't have to go that far. Cause oftentimes like pain is really like a great motivator to learn about yourself. Like in prison, like going to prison, um, and then, you know, I mean the relationship recently was like important, very important for a number of reasons, but like, it's also important that it came after my prison experience, like them combined really taught me a lot. Um, and so like, I, I just, I, I, I guess I've, I would say like, I've fallen so far that I've learned, uh, that I can control more things than I think most people are aware of. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't think I'm going to get rid of my insecurities like right away. I don't think it's going to, um, you know, happen all the way, but it's just the, the big thing is awareness, awareness in where, like where, when I, when I am talking to somebody, where is it coming from deep, deep down? Is it coming from a place of like, let me show you how worthy I am? Or is it coming from a place of like just genuine, I love this aspect of life and that's why I'm talking about it. And, and so that, that comes like a lot of it's just habit. A lot of it's really just habit. And I've been the past few weeks, like catching myself in conversation, just like 
seeing something that I wanted to say and observing it and just being aware that it's coming from a bad place and just like tossing it out and then, you know, being more authentic with the person that I'm, you know, spending time with. I just wanted to go back quickly and you mentioned obviously how your friends were all sort of like perceiving you as this this top guy's top dog out of the bunch or the the woman slayer like you said how did you feel when you went out of that situation once you got home like what was you thinking like everyone else around you is thinking all right I want to be like Manzo I wish I was as confident as him what was you thinking to yourself yeah well to to clarify it wasn't everybody like I think to a lot of friends it's probably (laughs) obvious that like I was just piddle paddling around like a little idiot but um to some to some people who knew me more recently when I was like more confident that was the case and what it really did was it actually just made things worse because um like the ego got stronger and it was like yes I have this perception to keep like I have I like I gotta I gotta keep this up like I've I've got everybody fooled I've got everybody fooled that I'm valuable (laughs) and and then and then but then deep down it was like I knew that I that I well I mean if if you consider being good with women to be like valuable which at the time in this like bad paradigm I did consider that to be the case so essentially I was like being told how valuable I was but then like I told myself like I was a fraud, like I wasn't actually that valuable. And so ironically, the the whole thing about like trying to get better with women was in order to help my confidence and help my self-esteem. But that specific dynamic actually made everything worse because it like compounded the the self-hate because the you know they would have a perception of me. And then I would try and fill that perception and it just wouldn't work. And then because it wouldn't work or whatever, I would just be like, shit, like I suck. I'm even worse than, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so that made things just way worse. <laughs> so I guess the issue was, as you say, like if if the fact that everybody thought that you were good with women was what you were trying to use to build your self-esteem, you were kind of going about it the wrong way because the being good with women should be the result of having good self-esteem. So you're using the result to try and actually build, whereas actually you should have been working instead on the self-esteem to get better with women as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, self-esteem's like, for me before this recent event was like completely... You know, I knew what it was, but I had never explored it, never thought I had an issue with it um, because like self-esteem and confidence are two different things. And you can have this fake kind of confidence or or even a confidence that comes from other areas of your life. Like I had a confidence from business and uh, I had a confidence because I fucking survived prison. But that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily confident with women. Um, and so, oh, sorry for cursing. But and sorry. so uh <laughs> The, the the reality is like I didn't really think about it until recently and, and 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 until recently I didn't really like come out with my friends about like what I was kind of dealing with in my head um, which just makes me sound crazy but whatever I guess I am to a degree and we all are. <laughs> it, it, yeah and so like I didn't actually tell any of my friends about this until recently and like once I told them about it like everybody was was. First of all, super understanding. Um, a lot of them were actually in like a very similar boat, uh, and then and then a few of them were like very much in touch with the fact that they had the the, the same issue or a similar issue, and they gave me some books to read. Um, and so now I'm kind of exploring the concept and like putting into practice a few things, and just and I mean, like I said, just being aware. Just being aware is is the biggest thing, really. Mm-hmm. So, what actually happened with this girl? Obviously, you went over there, you pursued her. Um, did you get in a relationship with her? Um, it was yeah, it was like it was it was it was short, but like it was it was about a month. She's she's um she's a few years younger than I am. She's three years younger than I am, but she's like she's really affectionate. She's really touchy, um, and she just like she fit all those check boxes. Like she was gorgeous she's like blonde blue-eyed or you know and but the problem was like she fit all these bills that it was like a very service level it was like it's like she did something for me like she 
Um, she was affectionate. She was like, did not care about the sweaty hands really. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of like the reason that I liked her was like, she kind of fit this, this, she, she filled this hole. Um, and, and so it was, I was blind to like what was coming because essentially with her, I was always just being an arrogant asshole with, with, with what I, you know, what I was interested in or what I wanted to do or all those kinds of things. And the reality was like, I was just trying to constantly show her that I was valuable enough to be with her. Cause I didn't really think that I was, um, subconsciously obviously. And, and so what that ended up doing was like, it made it so that I just didn't care about her and I just did not connect with her. I didn't like, she, she didn't like knowing more about her and her personality and stuff. It just didn't, it, it wasn't important enough to me because, because of, like I said, I was just trying to kind of bury these insecurities. And so, um, you know, we, we ended up having sex, which by the way, was like only the second girl I had sex with. And I actually kind of cared about her. So it, that made the, the connection for me anyway, a little bit stronger, but the, the reality was like, I did not treat her very well because I was just coming from a bad place the whole time. And so it ended up like she, I, you know, she has her own experience and I can't, I can't say that like any of this is actually like what led her to, to break things off. Um, you know, for all I know, like it, it, it was like completely, you know, something that different, but she said she just didn't feel a connection. And I also like kind of coaxed it out of her, but she said she just didn't feel like I cared enough about her. And, and so for all these reasons, like she broke things off. But I, I, I know that, that, you know, humans and women especially are just like really, really good at understanding like body language and subcommunication and stuff. And like, I'm sure she could just tell that I was just like really self-esteem was shot and I was just like super insecure and I was like just latching onto her and clinging onto her to like try and fill this void. And, um, so like I, I, I kind of felt like, or I kind of think she felt that and that really like turned her off to the whole thing. And so, um, you know, for, for a few weeks after that, I would, you know, I talked to her that day and then like, I would talk to her like the next week and just like text her and stuff. And, and I actually told her some of, you know, the issue of like why, like she probably felt a little more attachment and like how much I learned about myself and stuff. And so she was super sweet. She's such a sweetheart about the whole thing. And, and, um, that made her like even more special to me. But yeah, I mean, I, I essentially, I pushed her away and I wondered why it was that I was so attached from such a, a, a short, relationship and then I kind of had these revelations about myself and like what the stories that I've told myself and where that attachment came from and it was just like a huge uh, journey which is still not over that that was very important for me um, to have had that happen so you know, looking back on it, I'm so glad that she broke things off the way that she did and like when she did. Um, and like everything that has happened had to happen. And like, I'm super grateful for it, but that is essentially in a nutshell why it's like, it's so, it's so, it's so hilariously one-sided. Um, but that's how it was. So obviously we need to talk about your, time in prison yeah um could you just kind of go into that and just kind of explain what it was like one thing i wanted to just say to know is was was prison the point that you felt okay that was breaking point once you went in or, or did that happen was that a kind of ongoing process no so the prison thing as much as people were telling me i wasn't going to go to prison i had mentally prepared to go um and well 
I, I'll say I'm mentally prepared to go as well as one can mentally prepare to go to prison without actually having that experience beforehand. So, you know, I was still <laughs> plenty shocked, but it was, wasn't the same thing. Um, so going into the experience uh, was a little bit difficult and it was the biggest thing for me just in, in life in general is letting go. And that was the hard part, was letting go of all, you know, when am I going to get out of here, what's going to happen in here, blah, blah, blah. Like, letting go of that when I was in prison was super hard. Like, it took four out of the six months for me to finally just realize, all right, I'm in prison. I'm going to make the best of every single moment that I'm here. Um, and once I did that, it was, it was fine. But it was, uh, it was a hard process at the beginning for sure. And do you think that, um, I mean, with prison, obviously, outside of prison, you kind of had to, like you say, you were searching for this validation. How different was that being in prison where nobody's sort of trying to, I mean, check out each other or see where you are? Did, did it help you sort of strip away at some of the ego? Because obviously you're all in the same situation. There's nothing to strive for in a sense, I guess. Was it How, how did that sort of dynamic change things? Because um, it's not I like you were trying to go for girls or there weren't anybody out there to sort of... <laughs> impress in a way yeah i mean that it's it still it no no it still happened um there were people to impress there were like the big res more respectable you know people that were in there there were some you know like it's just like anything else in society like there are those that are like the more dominant kind of you know people that are more charismatic that are more personable that have more you know quote-unquote power and and so you gravitate towards them and you try and convince them of your value. And, and I definitely did that. I definitely um, – a lot of the dynamics that I had in the free world still came into play into prison. I still tried to show my value to people. I still did that while coming across as like arrogant. And a lot of times that gets, that gets you into trouble. And so like I knew I, I had to temper it back a little bit. Um, but – to be honest with you, the whole time that I was in there, like it really, it it didn't, it, it it helped me learn a few things, but it didn't really teach me to the degree that even this most recent relationship has taught me, which is like so crazy to think about for some people. It's like, how could you learn from like a, like a one month relationship with a girl, uh, you know, more about yourself than you did while you were in prison for six months? But you know, you you all know the the reality of like why I went to prison in the first place. So, you know, that that was like a little bit more of an impactful thing for me. Um, but yeah, in, pr you know, in prison, it's like, I don't know, there's a lot of, of misconceptions and it's understandable because people just don't like have any experience besides TV shows and stuff. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, there's a little bit of politics. Um, but the majority of it's just really like, you got a lot, a lot, a lot of time to 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 really not do a whole lot of stuff. So it's uh it's just really boring, really. Um, but yeah, let me give me give me some more questions and and I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit more. I was gonna. I wanted to. I was interested. Obviously, you're you're big into your fitness, and I know you're you're into a lot. You love that sort of health hacking, like myself. How, how what happened to that when you was in prison then did you have to just literally just strip things back and go really simple how did you did you exercise or or was it quite nice to actually say actually you know what i don't i'm gonna just let this go for a bit or did you reassess why why you why you wanted to control like your health so much uh, it's funny you say that so um when i was in prison i did not scale back at all and in fact the the knowledge that i i'd received beforehand essentially became like my biggest asset and so a lot of the inmates actually called me like professor or they called me doctor <laughs> and um and one of the ways that i got a lot of of respect was was i worked out every single day pretty much or if i didn't work out like there was a very specific reason for it and i just I had done a lot of calisthenics in the past and I had just, you know, learned a lot of different techniques to use my body weight and stuff for, for working out. And so I had all these different techniques and so I was teaching people and um, there was one instance specifically where 
I was I was doing squats and I was kind of tired of doing bodyweight squats. So I asked this guy and his nickname's Cutthroat. So that just sounds <laughs> like, you know, sounds like, like a nice guy. Yeah. And, and and anyway, like, I mean, he, he to me, he was a nice guy. And like we connected on a lot of levels and one of them was fitness. But I asked him if I could actually squat him because he wasn't like a nice guy. <laughs> And uh, he didn't believe hey, I could do it. Can I squat you? <laughs> yeah. So I th- I threw him over my shoulders and I I, I started squatting him and uh, and that that got me a lot of respect from him. And then there was um, there was a, a rapper. He actually was like a, a Grammy nominated rapper in our unit, and wow. he saw me doing that, and he came over and he started giving me props for that and everything. And so it turned out that my fitness actually became like my biggest asset. Like it got me a lot of respect. It got me a lot of, um, FaceTime with people that like wouldn't have normally talked to me, but they wanted to like talk about fitness and stuff. And so it, it actually like my, my ego when it came to fitness and like where it was coming from did not get sorted at all because it was like, it wasn't, I didn't realize that it was insecurities. I realized like, this is what makes me badass, and this is why like people are over here showing thinking that I have value. So it probably actually made things worse from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still good to have that asset when I was in prison, and I mean, and and that's why like I've realized that this this the insecurities issue is like not it's not like all bad. Like a lot of the assets that I have that I've found really valuable in life in general have been like you know coming from this place, and, and so it's good. But but it, that definitely did not did not help that aspect of things when I was in prison. <laughs> I mean, obviously you said there that you managed to keep like physically fit. How about men- mentally? Yeah, mentally fit. Luckily I worked in the library. So I was reading a lot of history and philosophy and classics. Um, I read the Ramayana, which is like a, a Hindu classic, like more um, like an epic. And I read some philosophy and things like that. And so really the, the books that I was reading were, were really useful for keeping mentally fit. Um, I did a lot of brainstorming. Like when I just had some free time, I would just like brainstorm an idea. Like, an, like you know, if I were, if I were going to – if I would open a bar or if I would start a, a food truck or something like that, like what would my what would my steps be? And so I would just like go through all these action steps and, and all these things and um and a lot of the conversations that I would have with inmates were really geared towards kind of staying mentally fit. Um I mean it wasn't like a conscious effort. It was just like I don't want to talk about the typical BS like what's on TV or what's going on with football. Like it was more about um, what kind of life experiences have these people had from like totally different socioeconomic background that can be interesting or enlightening to me? Um, so to keep my mind sharp was really just like brainstorming when I had the opportunity, reading a lot of books and having like relevant, uh, mindful conversations with people in their lives. I kind of find it interesting how, and, and I, I mean, I thankfully have never been to prison but those moments which obviously whilst in prison you had almost an unlimited supply of those moments of just quiet and having nothing to occupy yourself with those are usually the times where you have moments of clarity like being in the shower for example as a, as a daily example but obviously being in prison you've got a huge supply of all of this kind of mental time um and I just find it really interesting that that by having that, you've kind of started your journey. And as you say, it's a long, long journey. I mean, I can attest to, you know, personal development and transforming and things when you realise your insecurities and things. Um, do you think it was the, the quiet that really got things moving for you? The quiet time? Um, yeah, to a degree, I think... I think that it was. I had enough experience beforehand um, to know how to use that quiet time like usefully. But by the same token, I think I and a lot of other people have have a real issue with with going into our head. And you know, when you have a problem or you have 
you have something that you want to fix, it's like really easy to try and 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 think your way through things. And for me especially, you know, I've I've used intellect well my whole life and to try and like reason through things with my with my thinking brain is like just a very habitual thing when the reality is like I I personally need to get into my body like I need to do the opposite I have to I have to feel my body I have to feel this moment I have to get out of my head and that's usually the times when I am the most mentally clear um, and I found that now that I have uh, like di- discovered this is an interesting like little side tangent, but now that I've discovered that like the fitness aspect of my life was like driven by insecurities, um, I kind of have taken a step back and I've realized that I actually like the physical aspect of things much more now because all it really is doing is getting me into my body rather than being in my head. And so I actually do more physical stuff now that I realized it used to be an insecurity because now it's like coming from a place of like whenever there's something active to do, yes, I want to do it because I want to do it to get in my body and not be in my head too much. Um, and so that real distinction was big. I will. I, I think though that that the real learning – from prison came from the fact that I had no power. I had everything taken from me. My my schedule was taken from me. My um, ability to eat certain things was taken from me. My ability to read certain things was taken from me. Like everything that you can imagine was taken from me. Um, in the free world was. Um, well, I guess that's kind of an exaggeration. I still had a few things like I still had my body in order to work out myself. But I mean, uh, by and large, I lost all my power and that, and losing all that power is really, really important for that period of time for what it does to your mental state. Um, because it kind of, it kind of redefines your relationship with external things. It redefines, um, how you view, your life, happiness and fulfillment through the lens of like other stuff. Um, I, I didn't really get it right away that like women were not going to bring me happiness and fulfillment, but I think that losing that power made it possible to have that realization like only a couple months out of prison. And so, um, it was really the power I think rather than the time to think that, that gave me, uh, such, such clarity um, and I'm continuing to, to, to just get out of my head and get in my body as much as I can. So once you actually came out of prison then, once that power was then put back into your hands, how did things sort of change then? Was you kind of such, was you having like a load of gratitude for what you did have? Oh, I can put this shirt on today or I can walk down to the shop and pick up something from the grocers. Yeah, I had a, I had a lot of gratitude and there were, there was, there was, for me, there was like, there was just like, I was so happy and I was just so giddy. Um, and, but I still had not resolved the issue because dude, I got out of prison at, at age 24 in December, only a few months ago. And I had still not had sex. So I still had a lot of self hate about that. And like two weeks, two weeks after I was, was after or two weeks or so after I had uh, gotten out, I finally like made it happen. Um, I didn't. I say made it happen, but like I was just downtown and some like it, it just fell into my lap, and I was luckily I was like not dumb enough to to screw it up. Um, but but that experience and the resulting like how the hell did I hate myself and like create such a huge issue mentally about this um made it so that uh, like it was just a lot of emotions man it was it was it was mostly <laughs> happiness though <laughs> it was mostly happiness not not just that i had you know that i had sex but i mean happiness that like i was out uh happiness that i had gotten that like off my chest um it wasn't off my chest enough to where like i could actually talk about it with friends like i still hit it i still like tried to like keep this certain kind of facade like ego structure up but all that being said 
like it was it, it was it was good to like have gotten that you know out of the way um and and so yeah the pa- the past few months have like it, it's kind of it's kind of dimmed down a little bit um but there was just a lot of euphoria at the beginning um and then very quickly that euphoria from like being out of prison was like filled with like i said this this um this girl that i had that short relationship with and which was you know coming from the wrong place and now it's more of a euphoria of like holy shit i've got this stuff figured out and i'm 24 I'm just about to launch a new business and everything's coming into place for that. I'm like finally able to travel at the end of this year. I'm going to Burning Man this year. Like like everything is coming together um, and I'm realizing that the happiness is derived like more from the inside rather than external fulfillment. And so it's like I've kind of had three phases like after coming out of prison. Like one was like, all right, I'm out. This is amazing. Then the second one was like, okay, I've got this this girl that I'm seeing and that's amazing. And now it's like I'm actually just comfortable being me and that's amazing. And that's the most powerful like wave that I've had is is that realization that like I derive my happiness from me and I don't have to put on a face for anybody. Another thing you said there, I know for you obviously it was the kind of having sex kind of then after that you felt like, okay, now I can be me. And I think that might be for you, but then you've got other people who say, well, especially entrepreneurs say, okay, once I hit that million pound or once I get to this goal, and it's the, it seems to be the same sort of release. It's kind of like I got there and it wasn't as big and it kind of wipes away all those sort of insecurities of what you had or why you thought you needed that million pound to be validated or why you need to have that girlfriend or why you needed to have sex. And then suddenly, once you've got that, you realize it wasn't as important or as big as you actually thought it was. Then you start being yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, and that's really what happened. It was like I had sex. It was like it wasn't that great. And then I was like, you know, I got I latched on to this other, you know, girl who was definitely more attractive than the first one and then also had like all these other features. And so it was like, OK, I went from sex to hopefully like having a relationship with a bunch of sex with a really attractive girl. And like, you know, that's what I got attacked. Well, I won't say that that specifically is what I got attached to, but that's part of why I got attached and it and realizing that, but I, like, I feel like, like you say, I, I, I realized what I was doing and now I've kind of cut that cord. Like I could have said, you know, okay, that was short. So let's go find an even more attractive girl and like make a longer term relationship and then I'll be happy. Um, but now, like I've like luckily, I think my prison experience and just you know other things that I'm doing in general have made me realize like none of that stuff's ever gonna make me happy. There's I can go one up, one up, one up as much as I want until I'm blue in the face. I'll never be happy from that. And so um, that's why that's why this this girl is like super special to me because she helped me break that 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 block. And she she's like <laughs> she may be completely oblivious to the fact that that she help me in such a way like it's it's too hard for me to explain it to her but like she did that and so i'm super grateful that i've that i've had that experience recently so you said earlier as well which kind of struck a chord with me that a lot of your friends are really surprised that you've you seem to have learned so much from this short relationship compared to your six months in prison um but i'd just like you to clarify actually what it is that yeah what the difference is and why you've learned so much from this short relationship in comparison to yeah what was what was the sort of perspective she brought to you well uh, that's a good question um i would say for one thing the prison experience helped um it 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 like i don't think i would have had this realization if i hadn't just came out of prison um I think the whole issue with of, with the prison was like it was kind of the surface level was like I stole something to make money. She helped me reach like a much lower level or a much deeper level rather um, where I realized why I needed to have that money in the first place. What were the motivating factors that, that put me on that path? And then she, she also 
um, she also made me question so much of like like how it could like what was different about this like how is it that like we had the same we had the same like we were in the same um, place together all these times and yet her experience was so different than my experience like what what caused that um, and a lot of what caused that was like me just being so stuck in my head and not really even you know being in in the moment and kind of um, you know caring enough about her and so um, I, it, it was also what she said I mean she this, the, the fact that she said she didn't think that I cared enough um, that struck a chord that struck like a you know that was important to me it was like that was the feedback um, that I needed to kind of like examine things so you know I think I think it could have been a number of of girls and like it could have been a number of different ways of approaching it but it was kind of the fact that it was like the first girl that I had sex with that I was kind of like connected to and that I had you know seen her a few times and like got to know her a little bit um and then also the fact that I had just come out of prison so so recently it 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 re- I, I would say it's really just the universe putting the stuff together in the right order that made it possible to have that epiphany I can't really point to anything specific that she did besides being like a total sweetheart about it that that made it any different you've obviously had these sort of a massive shift in, in how you're thinking like there's probably a lot of guys out there actually listening to what you're saying and actually saying crap I'm in that position that Manza was in however many months ago or years ago what would you say to someone what would you say to your sort of younger self your 20 year old self who is kind of feeling the need to sort of like impress people or kind of to put on this persona? Yeah, I would say, well, first of all, it's not your fault. Don't, don't, uh, I think it, it, it definitely comes from, like a certain type of person is like much more prone to beat themselves up about things and be like a little more obsessive about things. And so realize that A, it's not your fault. Um, whatever like psychological factors that came into play when you were too young to even remember have have started you down uh, this path and society has confirmed it and has like reaffirmed what it means to be a man or what it means to you know be successful and none of those things are going to ever bring you happiness and looking for happiness in the external world is going to bring you nothing but heartache. Um, and I realized that, that telling myself at 20 or trying to explain to someone this kind of thing who's younger is, um, it's really, it's just knowledge. And so I hope this knowledge is, is helpful for you and I hope it like motivates you in some way to keep this in the back of your head but I also realize that only experience and only experiencing that pain is where wisdom comes from and so that knowledge will not become wisdom until you experience that pain and so um, what I would say to those people who maybe are in a similar boat but they can't completely wrap their head around things is like just remember this conversation remember everything that I'm saying and when you feel that pain later on that's like really 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 visceral pain remember this conversation and then it'll click then it'll go from being knowledge to wisdom and I think sometimes to remember that if you're feeling that pain like you say some something's the universe going to put something in your path to teach you that lesson so it's going to (laughs) happen yeah um I mean Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Like, yeah, being really honest. And to be really, really opening with it. Because you, you approached us about coming back on. Um, obviously, you wanted to tell tell this story, and I think it's it's great for people to hear. I'm, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're saying is even ringing true with me right now. And I mean, going, we've I'm been going, nodding our head the whole yeah, way through, haven't we? Damn, you know, I'm making a lot of mistakes as well, and I think it, it's great. Um, but before we wrap up, I want just to talk about your new business. 
that you're setting up because you're obviously on a new path. Um, so do you want to just kind of briefly talk about that just before we, we wrap things up? Sure. So um, first of all, thank you guys for for, for being so um, understanding and, and being so open about things because, you know, not a lot of people accept this kind of emotional outpouring. And this is a lot of, you know, this is a lot of stuff. And uh, so I really appreciate how, how open you guys have been and how receptive you've been. And I'm glad that, that, that I've, you know, been able to, you know, share this with you guys and share it with your audience and stuff. Um, and I'm glad you gave me the platform to do so. Um, so thank you. But, but as, as you know, we talk about the, the, the business side of things, the past, the past business that I had was uh, nootropic. So specifically like, you know, I targeted brain function and I, to a degree, I kind of find that limiting just because I'm so interested in like physical function as well. So the new, the new business that I have is a platform that's going to focus on both physical and mental uh, optimization. And so we're going to have some, you know, specific nootropics that are for brain health and stuff like that. But we're also going to have like a lot of physical products. Um, I'll just give you an example. The flagship product that we're going to be launching in the next month or so is actually like a creatine formula that is specifically made for people that don't want to take creatine with a bunch of sugar and carbohydrates because most of the time if you want to use creatine effectively, um, the, the, the sugar is what helps to uh, create an insulin response in the body that helps to like shuttle creatine into your, your, your brain cells and your, and your muscle cells. But like people don't always want to eat a bunch of sugars. And, uh, and fenugreek, which is just an herb, actually does the same thing. So um, I've created a formula that, that's got fenugreek in it to help remedy that situation. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the nootropics that we're coming out with are specifically geared towards like specific people. Like uh, video gamers are, are really in need of like reaction time um, improvements. And so we've, we're, I'm creating something that's like more geared towards video gamers that can help them with reaction time. Um, and so I'm, it's just a, it's a project that for me is like a, a real big passion to not only like formulate and use like unique stuff, but also to like, you know, get this marketed to the world and like help, you know, other people get it out there. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited about, about being in this space and like, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that I get to launch in the next month and I'm pumped that I get to launch with this like new mindset and uh, just share it with the world. And how about the podcast? Are you still podcasting or are you putting that on the shelf for a little bit? Yeah, no, the, the sh- my show specifically has been kind of put on hold. Um, really, it, I just kind of came to a realization as you asked that one of the things that I found with like my previous podcast is like it was so focused on the minutia and and like you know those very very little things with with biohacking which is which was fine for me at the time but like after prison it just wasn't relevant to me like the bigger picture kind of eclipsed any of the smaller like you know trying to time when you're going to eat something <laughs> um <laughs> And so I really just kind of put that on hold. Even the blog itself, I've kind of not put on hold, but I mean, I just don't really post a lot on there, um, which I don't feel bad about because like it was only ever a fun project anyway. It was never like something I tried to, to really, really turn into a business. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been on hold and and I've just been trying to apply some of those practices, not getting bad, mad at myself when I don't apply them, and then really just t- talking about big ideas with people. Good stuff, man. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you back on, and I'm, I'm excited to see where you're going to head next. Dude, I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me on and letting me use this platform to, like, you know, help other people. I, I really hope that other listeners, like, get something out of this, and uh, and I'm, I'm just grateful that, that you guys offered me this opportunity. Or, I mean, I asked for it, but you offered it to me. <laughs> you're very welcome. No, no, it's great, it's great value you're delivering. I'm sure there's going to be so many people that are going to take a lot of, like, advice from what you've said. And I know there's loads of people in that boat all the time you hear people, or people kind of hiding behind that mask. So it's really nice to see someone who's actually stripped that away and to come out the other end feeling better is amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys. I hope you have a fabulous day. You too. Um, and we'll, we'll keep in touch, all right? Definitely, Definitely. man. Take care. See you soon.
Bye. See ya. Bye. So that was the Manzal Denton. Second interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I loved it. What I really loved is just Manzal came across so like authentic. Like there's not many people that would happily talk on a podcast about some of the things he spoke right. about. And he wa- he approached us to talk about it as well. He wanted to put the story out there, which I think is truly brave. Yeah, no, definitely. Considering, and, uh, but the thing is, like we said um, in, in in the episode, like we were both like nodding along, and there's so many things that most people can relate to, whether that's insecurities in yourself or mm-hmm. these sort of trying to conform to social like to social sort of structures, or just trying to get that girl or that boy that you 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 love, really. Mm-hmm. So we've all been there. Yeah, definitely. Love will do crazy things to a man. It will. It certainly will. <sighs> <sighs> that would have made a great Valentine's episode. That would have. Because I don't many, I don't think many boys would go to prison for six months for the girl they love. No, I don't think so either. But it has happened. It has happened. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> a guy has gone to prison for six months for love. Amazing stuff. Cool. So Wayne's told me that we we bombard you with too many too many things in our yeah. outro. He said, "Look, we're asking him to do this. We're asking him to do that. None of it's happening. No one's giving us reviews. <laughs> no, no reviews. One. No Facebook likes. No Twitter. It's okay. I Wayne. give so much to you guys, man, and you just you just don't give back. How can you do this to Wayne? He's so upset, and he's so small. I am. I'm really small. <laughs> so what we're saying is that we're going to ask you for one thing." And that is to buy Wayne a dummy. <laughs> you little... <laughs> <laughs> no, so what is our one ask this week? Because we decide we're just going to say one thing and maybe... Well, we didn't actually decide on which one. Shall we go Facebook? Yeah. Let's go Facebook. So if you want to kind of get involved with the whole community of Powerful Nonsense, which we're trying to build because it feels like a one-way conversation. At the moment, we are the community, me right. and Wayne. We're part of the club. No one else is turning up. We put out leaflets. Except we know people are turning up to the club. They're just not saying anything. They're yeah. kind of standing but in the like, corners. It's like we're in a, in a big disco yeah. room. Disco room. We're like, we're like our little... <laughs> <laughs> and that's why no one's in our community. Because <laughs> we're always hanging out in a disco, disco room. room. <laughs> what we're saying is that we were inside a disco room and you lot peeking through the windows at us dancing. <laughs> and we'd like you to come in and join us on the dance floor. By disco room, obviously, I meant club. <laughs> oh my god, how uncool. <laughs> Are we still going to the dance room this weekend? <laughs> Uh, anyway yeah so basically we just want you to engage in conversation with us it's a lonely thing doing this job exactly we're so, stuck together we're going hysterical <laughs> so if you hop on over to Facebook and you type in to the search bar Powerful Nonsense Podcast we should pop up uh, hit the like button and comment on the stuff that we're posting and we have decided you post stuff yourself Why yeah not? post just tell us things <laughs> we've also decided that we're going to ask a question of the episode yes and that question is, Wayne, are you gonna are you gonna reveal it or shall I? I'll do it. I'll do it. Go for it. So the question of the week is What is the craziest thing you have done for love? Yeah, and you can tweet us or Facebook. No joking. No, just fa- <laughs> just just Facebook. Pop it on the Facebook, pop your answer on Facebook. And that let's get all. a conversation going. Let's do it. Let's and do if, it. if you fancy come to the dance room <laughs> anytime soon, hit Wayne up. At <laughs> Wayne up. <laughs> Wayne up. <laughs> I know the best disco rooms in town. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's <laughs> enough of us. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. New podcast out next week, Friday, 9 a.m. Bye. <laughs>